0: Hello and welcome to Finding Truth Matters with Dr. Andrew Corbett.
1: Have you ever met someone at a function who initially seemed quite uninteresting? Then as the function begins then as the guest speaker is introduced and they read out, you know, Nobel Prize winner, uh, Nobel Peace Prize winner, and then the person who you were just talking to gets up and it's them. I, I have a suspicion that that's how many people encounter God. They don't realize who he is.
0: How do you get to know someone who is either not alive anymore or even just not around for you to know them in person? I guess we could begin by reading about them, reading what they have written themselves and, uh, or what they've produced. We can perhaps deduce then the certain things about them. Well that's the approach we can take with God because from his word and from what he's created we can deduce an awful lot about who God is.
1: Alright, please grab your seats, a very special welcome to those who are watching via Facebook right now and a very special welcome to those who are watching by YouTube and those who are watching live on our website. If you haven't checked in, if you're able to, if you know what Facebook is and you can check into Facebook and if you put fb.com slash lagana cc and if you share that to your wall if you go to our church site you'll see that we are streaming this live right now now if you're going to go there right now don't have your audio up (laughs) because I'll hear myself five seconds later or 15 seconds later and it's just weird so you can you can have a look at that later but we started simulcasting on Facebook about three weeks ago and we found that our, our live audience tripled through going on Facebook. So there you go. So people already, I'm seeing messages come in from around the world, people watching on Facebook. Today, I hope that you will experience something that you don't experience every day. You don't experience what is about to happen to you and your heart every day. I've had an interesting week. I, I was uh, I spent a couple of hours with someone this week, who may be watching this now. So I'm going to honour confidentiality, but but I, 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 it serves as a, an example of what some people are going through in life. Over a series of weeks, this person had something like two or three of his best friends commit suicide. Then he had one of his best friend's 17 year old son commits suicide, this is all in a matter of about three or four weeks. Then he himself suffered a major health crisis where he was taken into ICU and and he had a he ended up having a, a major stroke and a, and a heart attack and this person by their own admission had not lived the kind of life that Had much to do with God, God wasn't really in the picture for for this person at all and then in a what I'm going to call a workplace incident they were supervising five people and tragically those five people were hit by a bus in front of his eyes and he said to me, I still can't get the taste out of my mouth. He's a Cert 3 in first aid. I can't get the taste out of my mouth and I can't get the sight of the mangled body out of my mind. Seven years later. And as I sat there listening and just listening really, I said to this person, That's horrible. <laughs> it's just unbelievably horrible. His wife developed a terminal illness in that. I forgot to mention that. And you could think, gee, this is why would anyone want to bring God into the picture now when, when all that's happened to them? And and I'm thinking, I'm thinking, how could anyone not bring God into the picture when all this is happening? And as I thought about it and 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 I shared with him that you've you've got so many things going for you in this life. you don't have God you don't have a relationship with God and he shared with me some weird experiences where he has moved from no thought of God to now having had three brushes with death over the last little while he said to me I can't shake this thought that I'm alive for a reason I'm here for a purpose and I don't know what it is. And my encouragement to him was you can look for all kinds of reason but really it starts with the one who gives the reason. Meet with him. It's my hope that over the next few weeks that we'll see my friend come to church, someone I've known for nearly Nearly 23, 24 years. Not a Christian. Today, that may not be your story, but you may have put God on the sort of the back burner. Life might have got busy for you. You may be so busy, even sometimes you can, as a Christian, you can be busy uh, serving God, doing things for God, but you actually forget God. So I want to pose some things to you this morning. I'm calling this God Revealed. The God Revealed. God is not God's name. That's the designation in English we have for him. And because of that designation, I'm not referring to him as a God. I'm referring to him as the God. The God. Like there's only one. The God. God Revealed. So I want to pose some questions for you. And Matthew, in a moment... Matthew, well, I think we'll kill the lights in, in a moment. Not, not yet. Let the spotlight still be on me. <laughs> Have you ever met someone at a function who initially seemed quite uninteresting? You know, you, you've gone to a function, someone's going to be speaking, you've got no idea who it is. You go to this thing and... I, I go to several functions a year like that where, you know, I'm told, oh, isn't it good that we've got blah, blah, blah as the speaker? I go blank, like, who's blah 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 I had no idea so I go to these things sometimes sometimes I get put up at the table and apparently blah 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 is sitting on my left you know and and um, anyway that's happened to me I don't know if it's ever happened to you then so so you're at this function you, you meet someone just, to, you know, as they sort of make the way into the, wherever it is, around tables or, or sitting down somewhere. And you're just in the foyer talking with this person who just seems very, very, very boring. Much like the person on your, um, anyway, so they, and you're just chatting away and it's like, you know, just, you know it's like, and they take, a, they take an unusual interest in you. They're, they're interested in what you do, where you're from, what your background is. And then as the function begins, then as the guest speaker is introduced and they read out, you know, Nobel Prize winner, um, Nobel Peace Prize winner, um, you know, literary awards, Archibald Prize winner, um, solved the uh, cure for cancer. And, you know, it goes through the list. And then the person who you were just talking to gets up and it's them. Has that ever happened to anyone? Then how do you feel? Oh, not really. So I'm the only one. All right. Uh, it, it's actually happened to me in the reverse where some guy came up. I think we were in Queensland at the time. Some guy came up and said, do you know who this clown is who's speaking today? <laughs> no, not really. All right, let's kill the lights. This illustrates what I'm trying to say. Let's kill these. All, all the lights.
2: How you going? Cool. Fine, fine. Got a case coming up. Uh, No, no, I'm I'm here to see someone. I'm I'm a spectator today. Oh, yeah. My son's first appearance. Do you reckon he'll get off? Oh, no, no, he's a barrister. Uh, He's appearing for the first time as a barrister. (laughs) Congratulations. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, Daryl Kerrigan. Lawrence Hammond. G'day, Lawrence. Barrister, eh? He'd need a degree for that. Yes, yes. He's got a couple, actually. Oh, he must be as proud as Punch. Well, you know. <laughs> oh, I know. I've got a daughter. Diploma certificate, fully qualified hairdresser. The day she came home and told me she'd got into Sunshine Tafe was the proudest day of my life. Yes, I, I can imagine. Yeah. Sure makes those parents look like a bunch of dodos, eh? <laughs> 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 you wouldn't have dreamt of doing what your son's done. No, no. Anyway, Darrell, what brings you here? Oh, bloody government's trying to take my house. This new Airlink thing. I mean, imagine that selling me. We bought up our whole family in that house, and they think they can just walk in. Anyway, we're taking them to court. Bloody outrageous it's got to be against the Constitution. Yes, it it is outrageous. Who's acting for you? Uh, Dennis DeNuto. Uh, Never heard of him. Oh, you wouldn't have. He just does our local area. Yeah, but I've I've never heard of him in constitutional law. Oh, no, you wouldn't. No, he does conveyancing mainly. You know, wills, petty theft, that sort of thing. But, hey, it's all based on the Constitution. Yes, 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 in in a way. Mm. Good bloke, though. Yes, sounds like it. Anyway, uh, i better be going. Sure. Hmm. Yeah. Nice talking to you, Laurie. Good. Nice talking to you, Darrell. <laughs> and good luck with your boy. Thanks, Darrell. I hope uh, everything works out. Oh. oh, yeah, yeah. I'm pretty confident. I find in favour of the respondent. Yes! It's them, Darrell. But we was responding to them.
1: All right, if you, know this, if you know the movie, it's called The Castle. And Daryl Kerrigan, of course, is, uh, he lives about 20 metres away from the runway of the airport. <laughs> Can't believe he got it so cheap. When Dad bought the house seven years ago, today it's nearly worth as much as what he paid for it, I think is the opening line. <laughs> anyway, uh, who he's talking to, uh, Lawrence Hamill, is Lawrence Hamill... QC constitutional lawyer and if you know the story he takes up the case he was talking to in this story one of the most elite qualified prestigious lawyers in the country and it is funny you know that that Daryl Kerrigan had his son go through court and when he says to Lawrence, you know why here? Oh, my my son's appearing today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know that story. So, (laughs) completely did not get who he was talking to. I I have a suspicion that that's how many people encounter God. They don't realise who he is. One of the books of the Bible is actually called the Revelation. I hear people go calling it the revelations and I cringe because it's not revelations it's the revelation of who God is and in that book and we were singing a part of this this morning where we we were declaring that all honour all glory or power belong to him belong to to the Lamb the one who is God in the flesh who is seated on the throne and in the book of Revelation it actually describes this God. In the closing book of the Bible, the book of Revelation, we see God for who He really is. It's quite quite outstanding and in the opening chapter of the book of Revelation, John the Apostle, the last surviving Apostle, is on an island, he's banished on an island and he's there, he's just praying all things look hopeless, it looks like the church is about to be wiped out, he's the last of the 12 disciples still alive, they were supposed to take Christ's message around the world, they haven't been able to do it, it looks like it's hopeless and he's there and he's worshipping and he's asking God for help and then the ground shakes (laughs) and then he hears this booming voice and he does not know who it is which is peculiar Because it's Jesus and he's just spent three and a half years of his life with Jesus in very close proximity. But the Jesus he spent three and a half years with in close proximity was a Jesus who was five foot something, olive skin, looked ordinary. And that's what Isaiah says, there was nothing about him that stood out from other people. But when John in the closing book of the Bible encounters Jesus, he sees Jesus as he always was. And always will be radiating glory when he speaks, the ground shakes, and people generally. We read through scripture that whenever this God speaks, people fall down because there's just it's like fainting, no strength left in their body. That's how people encounter God. So, how can we possibly know? what God is really like, especially when you go into so many bookstores and, and they, they have so many different books about that people reckon this is what God's like, this is how you connect with him. How can we figure out who God really is? There was a thing called deduction. I think it was at Sherlock Holmes who used that word all the time. And so deduction is to look at the clues and put the clues together and figure it out we can deduce something so we can deduce what what God must be like how can we do that well let me see if I can if I can help you to do that since God is the ultimate he's the ultimate being in the universe I'm going to use some terms here which I I hope I hope I can help you understand what what these mean I'm, I'm not trying to sound arrogant please but these are the common terms that are used God, whoever, whoever created everything must be, the, must be the uncaused first cause. You ever had somebody say to you, well if God made everything, who made God? Well it doesn't, doesn't matter where you go, at some point there was nothing, then there was something. But when we say there was nothing, we mean there was no material thing. But we do know that there was nothing... And then there was something, scientists call this the Big Bang. And they refer to it as the creation event. When we talk about the, the uncaused first cause, we, in, in Bible terms, in Christian terms, all we're really talking about is God, the Creator. That's all we mean. So whatever caused this universe, this physical world to come into existence had to pre-exist before this physical existence. I hope I'm not going too fast or confusing anyone. But if whatever caused material, that is atoms, to come into existence, everything's made of atoms. Before there were atoms, there was this person, this being, God. So we know he's not made of atoms. We also know that because there was no, there was no atoms, there's no, there was no space. And because there was no space... We know that this being is not subject to being in a location, which means this being can be everywhere at the one time. Pretty amazing. We also know that whatever whatever it took to create the universe must have been pretty awesome. And that the power involved in making the universe, and, and in a moment I want to show you just how big the universe is. I'm going to ask Jeffrey a question because <laughs> I asked him in the prayer meeting and he said I oh, know the answer that's easy um, or something like that um, he said um, so the universe is pretty vast but the universe is also incredibly small like incredibly small when I went to um, school primary school a long time ago i was told in early you know i think grade 3 or 4 i think that the the smallest particles were atoms i think by the time we hit grade 5 they were saying actually we now know that there's something in atoms protons neutrons electrons so i think by the time i got to grade 6 they were they were wondering is there anything inside those well we've gone way past that now and and the, the we now know that there's there's these things called subatomic particles, and that, that, which means they're, they're, they're much smaller than protons, neutrons, electrons. But 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 even more, you've got to be jokingness about how small the universe is. Is what's inside you? Uh, let me see if I can point this out in Romans chapter one, verse nineteen. It says this, For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. So what we're seeing here is that we can deduce that that this God must be incredibly powerful, incredibly big, incredibly smart, if he can figure out how to put this whole universe together in a way that it's so vast and also at the same time so small. I want to illustrate this. It, It says, it continues in Romans, For his invisible attributes, note that word, Namely, his eternal power his de- and divine nature have been clearly perceived since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. So they are, that is anyone who denies there's a God, so they are without excuse. And l- let me see if I can bring this home for you and, and, and explain, or we'll show you why this is. We can tell something about the Creator, that's what it says, have a look at creation, you can tell something about the Creator by what it must have taken to create the universe. All right, so we know that the Creator is outside of the universe, I've explained that. We therefore can see, as I've mentioned, that He must be incredibly powerful, incredibly intelligent, omni, which means all or everywhere, omnipresent, eternal, which means not, um, never had a beginning, won't ever have an end, And here's this word, immutable. Immutable means won't grow old, won't change, won't fall apart. Unlike, here's an example I prepared earlier. (laughs) Getting old, falling apart and all the rest of it, I'm not immutable. So God has made this universe so amazingly big and so amazingly small and so complex that you would have to have all of those attributes to be able to put it together. Now, a friend of mine uh, who's been here, been here a few years ago, Dr Fazal Rana, is a biochemist. And he's, in, he's intimately involved in trying to figure out how can you make life. And he tells me that there's two groups of scientists, incredibly funded, like amazing, billions of dollars of funding involved in both groups. One of them are playing Kaplunk, You know what Kaplunk is, where you can pull the sticks out and hope the marbles don't fall down. And they're doing this with the smallest living organism. They're going, all right, what if we take this out? Does it still live? What does it... and so on. They're trying to reduce it down. At the moment, Dr Fazal Rana tells me, they are down to 320 genetic products needed in the smallest living cell in order for it to function. 320 and 20 genetic products that have to be there simultaneously. The other 319 can't... <whistles> We're just waiting to kick in life while the other one joins in. It, can't, it, it, has, it has to be there simultaneously. So let's have a look. This is from the movie Expelled. Um, and I want to point out what's going on here. And my favourite part of this is a, is, a, is a little part in your cell called the Kynithson walker. It has two arms, it has two legs, and there are are other organisms. This is one cell in your body that build tubular, uh, I think they're proteins. So you can see the tubular proteins. See that guy, the pink there? That guy, I say the guy. He's, He's carrying material to the outside wall of the cell to keep that cell viable. And when he's done, there are other machines that come along in the cell that dismantle that tube and reassemble it somewhere else where, there's, where, that, where the wall of the cell needs buttressing by Kenny the Conditzen walker and there's, I don't know how many, and there you've got that's DNA, is that RNA processing? Yeah. RNA processing the information and you see there's little squiggly things, it's information there's, there goes the squiggly thing now it's going to go into that thing a, a chromosome? Ribosome. Ribosome, get it right Jeanette and there's Kenny. Go Kenny. Without Kenny, the kinesin walker, in your cell, there's no life. That's in one cell. And you know how many trillion cells you've got? It's incredibly complex. That's one cell of your body. Now, Darwin, when he looked at the smallest thing he looked at, he thought it was. A protoplasm just like a jelly he said that it's just jelly he didn't have the electron microscopes that we have today that can see that now let's let's go back out a bit shall we who knows what this is okay smarty pants it's the <laughs> there we go all right what's that the galactic core of the Milky Way That's where we live. Well, they're our neighbours, really. We're we're looking out at it. That's the galactic core. Do you know we we live in a a relatively flat universe? Isn't that amazing? We live in a flat universe. The universe is essentially flat. Not perfectly flat, but essentially flat. One of the best places in the world to see that galactic core is Lagana, Tasmania. No kidding, I, some Sunday nights in winter, in winter we, we see it a lot, lot clearer. In winter I get home from church on a Sunday night, it's very dark, and I look up at it and I, I've now trained my eyes to see the galactic core and is Lindsay here today? Lindsay, no? Okay, so uh, Lindsay is a part of the, I think, the Launceston Astronomical Society and he will also tell you that... These, these two blotches here, the small Magellanic cloud and the large Magellanic cloud, you can't, you can't see them with front-on vision. But if you turn this way and look that way and look at the peripheral vision, you can see them clearly. And the thing is, I can point my camera, and some of you have seen my astrophotography that I've done. You point the camera up, you take the photo and you just wait 10, 15 sometimes 20 seconds and then you get images like that and if you want to see them just go to my Facebook wall and scroll through probably the middle of the year because that's when it's clear because otherwise the the summer tends the Sun tends to sort of make it less visible. Alright that's the galactic core of the Milky Way this is this is looking at it now from a different angle and we live in what's called a spiral galaxy a spiral galaxy you know what each of those white dots are on that? They're not stars. They're galaxies. What? What? You might think, well, where do we live? I, well, I haven't got a pointer, but that's wh- that's where that's the Milky Way. That's that's our neighbourhood. So if you want a really cool postal address, it's blah 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 Milky Way. That's where we are, and we're not in the middle of it because that'd be too dangerous. We're not on the outside of it, we're somewhere right in the middle in what's called the Goldilocks zone. And then our sol- and that's, that's a galaxy, a galaxy's made up of solar systems. Our sun is a relatively small star that has, I think we used to have nine planets, we've now got eight. We lost one. Well it got demoted. And here's the thing about each of these stars... In the Milky Way get this if, if we were to say all right let's, let's count these galaxies as stars we'll just go if you went one two three four five and I can still see six you might not be able to see those but if I counted one per second of the stars in the Milky Way you know how long it would take me to count all of the stars in the Milky Way? Kim does <laughs> Because when I found out my jaw hit. That you don't have enough years, I, You don't have enough. It would take 2,500 years to count just the stars in the Milky Way, one galaxy. One galaxy. 2,500 years. There are, in our galaxy, the Milky Way, 250. Billion stars of which our sun is one of them do, do you know how big that is like how many numbers, zeros there are in that number uh, at least three it's a lot it's a lot of stars in our galaxy and I've just told you that what you're seeing is the Milky Way galaxy There's an, that's another galaxy and that's got at least 100 billion stars in it
0: That's all we have time for tonight. For a CD copy or premium download of tonight's discussion, please go to our website, findingtruthmatters.org, and select The God Series Part 2 from our online store. As we've heard tonight, gods from various religions are not all the same. God, the creator of the universe, is unique in every way and worthy of our attention, as evidenced by the seven-point checklist outlining the credentials of God. More from Dr. Corbett next week with The God Triune. Dr. Corbett is pastor of Lagana Christian Church and president of ICI Theological College Australia. We look forward to joining you again same time next week for another Finding Truth Matters.